You're listening to Mansplaining Manhood. Where two nobodies are talking about somebody. I'm Jay. And I'm Justin. Welcome back, brother. Welcome back. Good morning. Thanks for being here, making eggs and half of a English muffin with butter on it. Those were farm fresh eggs. From your chickens. My chickens in my backyard. Thank you. Man, don't mention it. Salt and pepper. Today they were over easy. So this week, our second episode on man and his work. Today, we're really going to talk about the biblical blueprint. The Bible actually lays out a blueprint of what we're supposed to think and do in our work. You may pick up the Bible and read it and not realize it's got a lot what you need in life. It's not like an instruction manual, so let's not use it that way. But it speaks a lot about how we should act and live and think about life. It does. It talks about every issue of life. It tells you how to deal with every issue, to problem solve. And really, it's a lot about faith and trusting that someone else, namely God, orchestrates your life and gives you what you need to get through it. That's right. Christ is good. So, Jay, in this session, we're going to attempt to give a God-inspired, gospel-centered vision for your work. We're calling it our biblical blueprint for work. That's what it is. And we're going to answer three big questions. What is work? What are we to do in our work? And who are we to be in our work? That sounds like some big, hefty questions to answer. All right, let's get into it. What is work, Jay? The conventional view of work is that it's just a job, a paid position of regular employment. It's just a job? I've said that before. It's a means to a paycheck. Oh, yeah, I've said that many times. What's the ultimate goal? Yeah, ultimate goal is retirement. We've talked about retirement before. Our view on retirement is a lot of it is a waste of the last chapter of your life. Yeah, go back and listen to the winter season episode. We had Fred with us, and we were talking about retirement with him, and he was explaining how much time he has these days in retirement, but we consider it in many ways to be a waste of the last chapter of your life. At the time when you have the most experience and knowledge of your life, you check out and stay home. And you don't pass it on to nobody. You don't pass it on. From God's perspective, work is more than just a job. It's a vocation. A vocation is both personal and purposeful. That's what we all hope for. That's the dream job. It's purposeful. It's personal. Man, if you can have that at work, it doesn't feel so much like work. And there's a saying, what's that saying? It's find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That's it. Vocation is both personal and purposeful. God calls every man to work. It's part of his plan for our lives. So it's personal, meaning God calls us to work. God himself said, Justin, Jay, go to work. Work hard. And it's purposeful, meaning it's more than just an endless to-do list. It's participating in something God is doing in the world through us. And that's the perspective I have to have is that we may not fully understand God's plan and everything that he's doing because he's God, but there's a purpose to all of it. We're called to work hard and to be a light wherever we are for that purpose. We may not fully understand that purpose. Maybe it's just the way we speak and act around our coworkers that may lead him to Christ. But ultimately, we're called to work hard for God. So as you just said, work is personal. It's purposeful. God's commanded us to do it. And so we need to be participating in it because it's actually good for us to be working. He made us to work. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for God's work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
God created us. We're his work. And he created us to be like him and to be working. Which God prepared before. And so before anything was ever created, he prepared us to work. Work is so much more than just gainful employment or a necessary evil or only a means to paying bills. It's supposed to be a lot more than that. A vocational perspective allows you to bring a totally different mindset to work. It reshapes everything you do in work. What is work? It's personal and purposeful. So next question, what are we to do in this purposeful work? God himself is a worker and he modeled work for mankind by creating and cultivating. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God worked. He worked. He's modeling the life we're supposed to live. He's a worker. He's a creator and he's a cultivator. God creates and he cultivates. He created the world and he's cultivating it to make it a more purposeful place. And we're involved in that. God also cultivated his work by building an environment where it could flourish. He just didn't create the world and take off. That's right. Mankind was made to imitate God's work by creating and cultivating. We are image bearers of God. God created the world in six days and rest on the seventh. And God created and cultivated this world. He went and sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. And he's cultivating his people. And so we're supposed to do the same in that purpose of work. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Work it and keep it. This was before the fall. So this was before all sin. He created man. And the first thing he did is he put him to work. He gave him work even before there was sin? Before any wrongdoing, the man was working. Maybe because God didn't want him to be passive. He wanted him to reject passivity, didn't he? Definitely. Yeah, so he gave him stuff to do. He said, hey, lead courageously. He didn't want you to sit around doing nothing, which is our mentality for retirement. We want to retire and do nothing. The American dream. I want to live my golden years of just going to the doctors and doing nothing else. So before sin, God put man in the garden to work, to be useful, to be engaged in what God was doing. God made us stewards over his creation to care for it, bring order to it, develop it to its full potential for the benefit of mankind and for the glory of God. We're to be stewards over it. We're to be good stewards of work, good stewards of our homes of our money, not to be wasteful. We're supposed to be good stewards of our pay. I don't waste my money. I'm paying my bills. I budget. God gives you all the skills for your job for you to make that money. So God has given you your paycheck. Even this good steward of our time. How much time do we waste? We waste a lot of yeah. time. Jack. Time management is huge. We, we spend a lot of time on our phones, watching TV, being entertained. We're in an entertainment mode constantly. I, our work is a way we can develop the world and make it a better place. Verbs mean things. Are we developing anything? That's supposed to be work. We're supposed to enjoy it. I've found in most of my life that guys, when there's nothing to do, they don't want to stand around and get paid. They want to go home. Give me something to do. Can I go home early? I don't want to stand around. It's not that we're sneaking in the corner and he, 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 I'm making money doing nothing. I don't see guys like that. I see guys that want to take off. Yep, they want to punch out and go home. But in light of that, man, we're supposed to be developing. I think when you find purpose, you're like, man, look what I, I started that. I completed that. We want to see some tangible stuff. But today I knocked out 10 of these things. I'm developing something. I, I see my skill and time and labor go to good use. I think understanding work from God's perspective helps us to see how our work is a way we can develop the world and make it a better place in such a way that ultimately brings glory to the creator of fall. So have a right perspective of work. 
When I revamp something at work, if something's screwed up and I get to jump in and help straighten it out, organize it, make it more efficient, that satisfies me. There's a lot of companies that don't have the right management in place or the company itself doesn't know how to give direction. It says, go do the job, but they have no way of telling guys how to do it. We have been developed through the school system to sit and not think. We are a generation of non-thinkers. It's raise your hand to go to the bathroom, raise your hand to answer the question. What do I do next? Tell me what to do. And it's constantly being told what to do and not be thinkers. We have lost the ability to think for ourselves. Common sense. Where has it gone? We have no ability to think. So now we have employees and people who go to work managing other people that have no idea how to actually get things done. So then get out there, have a perspective of who God is, what he's made you. He's made you be a creator and cultivator. Right. Go think beyond just the directive. The bosses do this, think of that and think outside of that perspective. Okay, how can I really help the company grow? How can I take my job and be better at it? What we're producing in, in our school system is what's showing up to the job site. I was told what to believe instead of taught how to figure things out. I'm speaking to guys because I'm calling guys to step up like me and Justin are trying to do. To figure out, problem solve. And a lot of that is the school system. I'm going to tell you what to know instead of how to think through things. And so problem-solving skills are rare. A lot of our standardized testing is that way. Don't learn how to actually read and write, but learn how to pass a test. No, learn how to think for yourself. But let's get back to what are we to do in our work. Create and cultivate. That means using our God-given time, talent, and resources to bring things into existence and develop order, and manage them for the benefit of mankind and ultimately for the glory of God. That right there sums up everything we've been trying to say. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do at work. You need to chew and really think on that. God has given you skills. I am outgoing. I like to talk. Those are skills God has given me, and I should use them. If he has given you intellect and deep thinking, use it. Whatever the skill is, if you are really good with your hands or artistic, use those skills. And you could probably use them in your current job. And if you don't know what it is, figure it out. Ask people around you. Take a closer look and experiment with stuff. Jump into a couple things. See what you're good at and then try to use that. Because if you're not a creator and a cultivator, you're a childish consumer that's using up what other people create and cultivate. So the first question was, what is work? And the second question was, what are we to do in our work? And last, who are we to be in our work? Jesus came to earth to save us and to be God's perfect image bearer, to provide an example of how mankind is to engage in all of life, including our work. And through Jesus, we can be forgiven of all of our sins and adopt into God's family. That's the work that he came to do. Jesus came to earth. That's the Christmas story when we talk about baby Jesus. You're talking about God coming to live among us, started off as a baby, born. We know the story. In Bethlehem, in a manger. So that's God became man to live and be God's perfect example of how to live. And so he's an example to us. And because Jesus was a creator and cultivator and his whole purpose was to be here to do the work of God. And ultimately, the work was to take sin and to provide his perfection so that we can be in right standing with God. And so 
In his 33 years on earth, Jesus also gave us an example to follow, an inspiration for how we are to live, because he did everything perfect. He was a hard worker all the time. You don't see Jesus just lounging around doing nothing. You see him resting with his brothers and sisters, with his family, and you see him resting with his friends, and he's always engaged in something. He's not a passive, childish consumer. He's always contributing. He's always working. He's on his way to do something. He always has a mission. He's always doing something, and he always does it absolutely perfectly, and he calls us to be like him. So wherever you are, whatever your job is, your occupation, whatever your life looks like right now, you're supposed to be like Jesus. What would Jesus be doing? That's what you're supposed to be doing. He'd be working hard. That's right. So how did he set the example? He's life-giving presence in all of the areas of his life, including his work even in his work ethic. We know he was an example of love. He was an example of sacrifice. He was an example of obedience to God. He was an example in his creativity. And that's why he's an example in work. He was a creator and a cultivator. Wherever Jesus went, things got better and other people flourished. Whatever he was doing, people experienced him as a life-giving presence. He wasn't absent. He wasn't daydreaming. He never had a day where he wasn't engaged. When you go to work, are you improving the company? Are you improving those around you? Are you improving the product? Are you just a lump on a log dragging people down with you, making other people pick up your lack of work? And a lot of times that's what it is. Like we were talking about last week, you're disengaged. You don't want to work. And then what happens is others around you have to pick up that slack, which is causing them to work even more. Someone disengaged isn't going forward, isn't going backwards. But some people are just toxic and just poison. They're energy vampires at work. They're spewing just wicked stuff. They're complaining. Talking bad about the company. Yeah, in trouble, rumors and gossip and... It's too much. Yeah. So don't be that toxic person. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus became a life-giving spirit. You know how we were always slamming on Adam wasn't there to step up for his wife in the garden. He blew it. He was complacent. He was passive. He didn't stand up. He wasn't a good leader. I love how we compare that to Jesus. It was always the opposite of that. He always stepped up. He's always there to protect. He was always there to work hard. And so we're always slamming Adam, but we're always pointing back to Jesus's life rather than Adam's. And when we say Jesus was a life-giving presence, Adam wasn't. So a life-giving presence means what? Being present, dependable, and excellent in our work with an attitude of humility for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. This is hard. I want to hire that guy. (laughs) I want to be that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. So at work, are you being present in that moment? Or are you still thinking about the weekend or the next weekend ahead? Are you being present in your work? You mean not just physically. But actually being productive in your head. Are you dependable? Does your boss know that you're going to show up day in and day out and actually be productive? Are you the person, something happened, can you handle this? And on top of that, to be dependable, you have to be excellent in our work with an attitude of humility, being humble to do your job excellent and helping others around you and having a more positive outlook. And that way you can benefit others right around you. Being humble while you pour your life into them. Like you want them to be successful. Like yeah, yeah. You, you want to see someone else develop. You want to see them step up and take over a certain job and You want to see them make more money. You want to see their personal lives because it's not just about work. You see someone grow and become excellent at something and make more money and succeed. This means pouring into people, 
giving people the time to train and grow, give them opportunities. So not only do you have to be dependable and excellent at your work, but be the person that you can help others with the work and to give them opportunities to improve. Try to encourage your coworkers. Actually encourage people, you're doing an excellent job. And if they're not, we jump in and help them to be successful. That's right. Show them where they're falling apart. Yeah. Help them to grow. Don't let the guy that's floundering flounder, like actually yeah. go and help them. Just throw them a line. Lead them to water. That's what Jesus would do. Amen. That perfect example. And it's all what? For the glory of God, Jay. Yeah, that's right. Because if it's not, that's meaningless. Three powerful <laughs> ways men can be a life-giving presence in their work. Provision, providing for others. And we usually talk about that at home, how the man is supposed to provide for the family and the children in this household. And he is. But I don't often talk about that at work. I'm supposed to be that kind of a guy at work, too. That's right. You're supposed to provide for others. You don't want to be the guy that's taking everything from everyone, but you want to give. And that comes with have an attitude of humility. Put down the pride. Which is hard. We said three powerful ways. The third, you got to be excellent. Excellent at work. Be excellent at what you do. Not just okay. Be the man. I'm going to work hard. You can be humble and say, I'm going to be the best because you're working for you. So how can you be humble but be excellent? Like, I want to do it the best for him. So I'm going to try really hard. But I want to be humble in doing it. Amen. So, guys, don't be a Peter Pan. Our struggle is to step up and accept responsibility. And we're talking about that at work today. Accept responsibility at work. Reject passivity. Always reject passivity. Get up and get moving. Lead courageously. Lead. Go for a position where you can step up, be a manager or supervisor, and lead people underneath you and cause them to grow. Step out of your comfort zone. If you're comfortable where you are, improve and expand your influence. Should hurt a little. Man, go for it. Put your best effort in, always. Be excellent. When you're in all of those, ultimately, that fourth pillar, the most important pillar, is what? Invest eternally. That's what it, makes everything meaningful. That's a whole blueprint. Yeah. To glorify God in all that we do. Have a higher purpose than just yourself at work. And on your last day, when you exit Earth, stage left, and you leave all your possessions and your body, even your body here, and you go to enter God's kingdom, you want to hear him say what? Well done. My good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's investing internally. And when you do invest internally, it makes all of the other stuff, all of your work and your home life, it makes it meaningful. You did it for an eternal purpose and an eternal joy. You didn't waste your time here just with stuff that's temporary. You weren't working just to retire. You had a bigger, more infinite meaning. That's how you have this blueprint focused on Christ. It is all meaningless if God's not involved in it. I think that kind of concludes the quick flyover of the blueprint. We've talked about a lot of these principles in the past, but next week, Jay, what do we think we're going to be talking about? Oh, we're going to talk about Nehemiah and we're going to talk about courage at work. We need courage, my friend. We do. You and I need to work it out too, man. So we're in this together. All right. Love you, brother. Love you. See you guys next week. See you next week.